Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to connect with me over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com, on Instagram at MyPeaceCorpsStory, and on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story. If you've been listening to the show and enjoying it, do not forget to leave a review over on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Five-star reviews are extremely appreciated, but more than anything, I want to know what you think so I can better serve my audience. Speaking of five-star reviews, this week I would like to give a special thanks to 23Taylor, who says, Helpful and interesting for a potential volunteer. Five stars. I've been listening to the podcast for a few months now while I've been considering applying for the Peace Corps. I really like that Tyler gives his guest a lot of freedom to share whatever stories they think are interesting and relevant, but also make sure to ask them about the highs as well as the lows. For someone who would like to become a volunteer, this is immensely helpful. Well, Taylor, that is one of the reasons that I'm doing this podcast to help out people like you who are considering becoming a volunteer, because I think it is so important to listen to a wide range of volunteer experiences, both the good and the bad, uh, to to really make that decision. Um, I personally had an amazing Peace Corps experience, uh, but it was filled with um, lows as well as uh, amazing, amazing highs. Uh, so I think it's best to to hear both sides of that when making your decision. For this week's episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast, I had the opportunity to sit down with Mark Bryson as he uh, was getting ready to go up on the hill uh, and uh, talk about Champion 4 Lobby uh, for uh, Peace Corps and uh, increased funding, among uh, several other things. So he was in Washington, D.C., where I live. Uh, He stopped by my place, and we sat down, uh, shared a drink, and talked about his time as a Peace Corps volunteer in Jamaica. I think you guys will enjoy... uh, this episode, especially those of you who uh, enjoy soccer, uh, hearing him talking about his experience with soccer as a volunteer in Jamaica. But without further ado, let's get into the show because he can talk about his service way better than I can. This is the My Peace Corps Story podcast. This is this is this is this is my my Peace Corps Peace Corps my Peace Corps my Peace Corps story story story. Uh, my name is Mark Bryson, and this is my Peace Corps story. Hey, Mark, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Uh, doing well. Excited to to talk with you uh, in person, uh, in my house, uh, sitting in my living room, and enjoying uh, some some fine spirits from my my home state, Kentucky, uh, which marks the first time that, at least to my knowledge. Uh, alcohol has been uh, consumed while recording this podcast. Uh, previous guest via Skype may have been drinking. I have no way of knowing that. No way to confirm or deny. Yeah, uh, but this is the the first one that I'm aware of. So I'm excited to to share a drink with you. Well, cheers to that. Cheers, and and learn a little bit more about your Peace Corps service uh, in in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, start off by letting everybody know a little bit about yourself and where you came from pre pre Peace Corps. Um, so I'm from Michigan, born and bred. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, to get you know initially thinking about Peace Corps there it was just a a friend of mine in undergrad at Grand Valley State University. Um, I think, you know, this was close to the time frame of the 2008, uh, housing bubble, um, that burst. And so I wasn't a hundred percent of my, um, influence into looking at that Peace Corps as an option, but it was like, Hey, I could go and help do some service, um, outside the country. I come from, uh, a scouting background. And I think a lot of times in many conversations of why did you choose to volunteer, I did an Eagle, I got an Eagle Scout, I did an Eagle Scout project. Um, and so doing that community service on a small scale, I could see the tangible, imp, you know, the impacts that that could have. And so I, you know, was thought of an opportunity to, you know, continue that, but also expand out to, uh, you know, outside the, mm-hmm. um, but, um, yeah, I'm, so I said Michigan born and bred, uh, ended up going for undergrad in chemistry. Um, so I was looking into a lot of the, I think it was water sanitation officer stuff, mm-hmm. I think is what they were looking to put me into. Um, I'm an avid outdoorsman. Um, I've always been, you know, hiking, backpacking, cycling, all that kind of stuff. And really a lot of my personal time just goes into a lot of those kind of avenues. Um, but really, you know, I think a big part of, uh, I tell, like I said, is a lot of people I tell is my scouting experience kind of was one of big influence, I think, to, to look me look into the option of a Peace Corps as an option. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So a com- combination of uh, a desire to serve, but also you've got that adventure streak of mm-hmm. done stuff in, in the United States, but wanting to maybe ex- explore another country. And I hadn't done to, I had been experienced nothing at all in that regard. Yeah. Um, and let alone, it was definitely, I mean, this is getting more to part of my service aspect, but like, I, you know, I lived so close to where I was, I, I didn't live on campus. And so I, my preschool service was not only was I outside the country, but it was also like my first time really living on my lo- alone for an extended period of time beyond say a summer job. So, you know, I, there was a little more compounding, uh, you know, things you had to adapt to, let alone all the already Peace Corps things you have there. So yeah, uh, it definitely, I took a lot of personal growth. I honestly think it took me a lot more out of the experience too than perhaps even my community that I served in. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I'm sure a lot of people can, uh, can relate to that in, in some regard. Yeah. And for my own curiosity, before we, we dive into your service yeah. and, the, and the many projects that you did there, mm-hmm. uh, I was not an Eagle scout, but I have a lot of friends that were, what was your, your project? What was your Eagle scout project? Um, so, um, in the, when I grew up in, in the first town, there was a Buc- town of Buchanan, Michigan. Um, and there was a school farm that they had. And so it was kind of through, I think my parents connection with some, uh, somebody there within the administration. Um, my brother did a project for the farm as well. It was, mm. uh, but mine was, there was a, a barn there that they had and needed refurbishment. Um, so there are various miscellaneous things there from, you know, repairing the the you know the windowsills around some of the uh, lower part of the barn repainting a lot of stuff um so a lot of just more internal and external um just you know general fixing it up mm-hmm. um but 
you know, they have a lot of stuff there, you know, that, you know, come the, obviously in the fall when school started, there's a lot of, they have the, you know, cornfields and pumpkins and stuff like that. And, um, you know, but you know, the, my brother's project was one of his observation deck out in a little swamp area there. So, you know, it just gives, gave them more options to do stuff, but also to uplift it a little bit. So, yeah. Um, kind of in a little basic, but you know, it's still, you know, it definitely has an impact on the project, you know, the, the program that they're doing there. Yeah, it has an impact, and it definitely sounds like something that easily could have been a Peace Corps project as well. Yeah. Uh, so now now let's get into your, your Peace Corps service, Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Did you did you want to serve in that area of the world? Did you think maybe you, were you going to end up in Africa, or were you one of those people that said, just send me. Send me somewhere. I, I'm, I'm up for anything. Um, I was... Kind of along the lines of, you know, send me where, any, anywhere or anything. Um, in general, I was, I think, from the beginning, other than I, I said probably other than the eight, like, say, Southeast Asia or something like that. Someplace where I thought there was a high language barrier, even if with training, I thought it'd be difficult. Um, I did, I know the Peace Corps application process has changed over mm-hmm. the previous, and it changed post Peace Corps for, for me once I, I COS'd. Um, but I had originally been, so what I think was invited or nominate originally nominated i'm remembering all the steps now um for because <laughs> there's the five steps i remember yeah i was originally nominated for like central south america um but i knew i had the next step was the medical and i had delayed personally made a choice to delay because i was gonna be working a physical demanding job and i wanted to be you know more fit uh medical review so i waited three or four months to do that uh, and now after serving, I know that it, there, I probably missed the intake window for those countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't, you know, I did a minor in Spanish in college. So I thought that, you know, that, you know, that, that there like, oh, I'm gonna go serve in a Spanish speaking country and come on back with fluency, uh, as well as, you know, helping out as best I could, uh, and cross cultural exchange stuff. But like, I, you know, missed that intake window and therefore the next, uh, I think the one they offered, you know, told me was, you know, I think they said Caribbean, I think on the phone call. And then it was, I didn't actually know until I got the packet in the mail, what the country was. I mean, I remember it was a little more, a little more information control, uh, back. I don't know what you, if, if you had, uh, remember that at all those details, did, but did you get the, the blue packet? I got a pack. I don't have the color. <laughs> oh, my, mine was like the, the blue one that had a kind of a Velcro closure that mm-hmm. had all these other folders and things that we then I'm had sure to it did. I don't remember those particulars. Oh, uh, I, I remember <laughs> my, my blue folder because I was told some, the similar thing of West Africa. Mm-hmm. And then, then I got my assignment. Now, what did you end up doing as a volunteer? What sector were you working in? Uh, that's even more um, interesting story there. So I was... You know, so I was invited to Jamaica, and that was March of 2010. Um, and we had PST there for the few months. We trained in the health sector, mm-hmm. um, and that's supposed to be what a community sanitation and an advisor officer there. So we got trained in that, and it was a weird time there. And then um, some issues with um, safety and security with the country director there. Um, but basically, the that kind of happened after we got sworn in, or nor to, or to, really before that. Um, but I have ended up, you know, basically I swore, I was trained as a health volunteer, was sworn in, uh, but then kind of it, to me, it felt more like just a semantic change. It didn't really change what I probably did on the ground, finding out that, you know, you as a volunteer make your service more than what your sector, you know, 
you know, fits into you, fits in where you fit into a lot of that things there. But, you know, ended up being, they decided that one got, was getting, pretty much got phased out right after you got sworn in and within like a few weeks and any of those health volunteers either got split into youth development or to environment or green initiative. Um, so I got shifted over to green initiative. And like I said, I kind of felt like I was more of a, um, just a semantic change, yeah. <laughs> you know, I still was probably going to focus on similar stuff, uh, project wise and within the community. Um, but, uh, you know, it was there. Yeah. I don't remember all the details of that, about that, but pretty much our country director had to leave, um, cause of some threat, um, to her and her life or whatever, something like that. Um, but then at the same time, I think from her, her, um, tenure, um, that was where that sector ended up being phased out. Um, just towards the end of that. So it was a, a lot of weird things happening at the same time. So that's why it's, it's more, uh, more than just like a straightforward answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I also experienced it like a sector change, but it was mm-hmm. more a name change. I did the same exact stuff. Uh, now, what type of projects were you doing under this green initiative, quasi health thing? Like mm-hmm. what, what, what did that actually translate to working on the ground? It translated to me, you know, they always have the, you know, you know, the first four months of not taking, you know, just observe, observing stuff and integrating. Um, I just noticed a lot of plastic being burned, um, a mm-hmm. lot of waste management issues. Um, and I read the newspaper regularly and that was one way I could just keep up with, um, you know, at least a Sunday paper man every single day. But when I could afford out of my, um, of my, my allowance there, I would definitely try to keep up with that. And I read it about, uh, just an organization in the capital that, you know, was collecting, uh, was it was willing to provide all the stuff and collecting the plastic for recycling. So I ended up, you know, trying um, very, you know, with all the difficult steps to try to <laughs> get it started and, and to even get people invested into that. But trying to get away from all that plastic being burned, which is because the community center I worked at was considered a, considered a commercial site. Um, you know, the community, I was partnered with a community based organization there. Um, the Ewerton Community Development Action Committee, um, or ECODAC, which was this acronym. Um, they couldn't afford to pay for that waste management to be picked up. So they're not considered like, you know, there was no help from the local municipality or anything like that. So what happens? It just gets burned, but I was able to, you know, be connect that up and over time. <laughs> Uh, you know, there's a lot of soccer games or football games, you know, as, as soccer is considered outside the U S um, those are, um, those are happening on a regular basis in the spring and summertime there. So there's a lot that build up. And so slowly over time, I was able to get some of the uh, people there that helped clean up the place to help separate some of those out. A lot of times it was me more showing by example mm-hmm. and them seeing the sheer volume. Um, and I think it's also just more the repetition of it. Um, like it was, we all know behavior change doesn't happen quickly or, or doesn't know with a snap of a fingers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I was able, that was one of, you know, the, the, the early wins, I think, um, for me was, was getting some of that going. Um, and then definitely one of the sh- examples of, you know, um, there was a lady that there was a bartender there that, um, you know, in the early stages, was, you know, didn't see any merit to it or anything like that. And it was, this is like two and a half because I extended for a third year. It was like two and a half to three years in, 
Um, she was like purposely separating the things out, uh, you know, and, you know, you know, so I I saw that behavior change within one individual Mm -hmm. making a conscious effort to separate that out, uh, you know, versus, you know, just not really giving, caring one, one way or the other in the early stages. And that wasn't for me like doing active constantly talking to her or just like information, information, information. It was just a lot of by example, I guess. And it's just once they see it enough and can see, start to see some of the value. It's hard to really know why, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's not internalized, you know? And how, how did you try to get them to, to make the change or what kind of incentive? Cause there was no economic incentive. It wasn't something that they were collecting the trash and maybe transforming it. Cause Mm -hmm. I've seen projects like that where they'll take plastics and maybe make, rope or weave into different things they can then yeah be sold. No, it wasn't really like us they doing a value-added thing like that like you're speaking to mm-hmm. um and i guess you know i guess i didn't it was, a, it was a lot of me just trying to work with them because it was just the, the amount they would, would be there and they'd have to burn you know to get rid of uh was pretty staggering um and but it, it was we just partnered with an organization that would basically provide the large bags to consolidate it and they would come pick it up once there one thing though is that we were they predominantly served kingston or the capital and we were outside of that by a couple hours and so you know they would only come to us and until we had a, a certain number of bags that would fill their entire small truck to service because they want they are not you know paying us or we're not paying them to pick it up either. So it's not a, a co- you know, not much return on investment either way, mm-hmm. um, say for the environment. Um, so I don't know. It was more of, I don't know how, honestly, to be honest, I don't know how effective maybe I was, you know, in, in really changing too many, because I was, I was probably doing a lot of the work in the early stage of me. I was there helping to pick it up. Like they were helping to clean up the place after these events and night dances and, 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 and football games happen. But um, honestly, it was probably a lot of the early part. It was just me doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I maybe talk about it a little bit, but you know, I just like lecturing somebody. I was not, I don't think that was going to be effective at all. That doesn't, <laughs> no. that doesn't really translate. Mm-hmm. There's got to be some kind of external internal motivation for it. So yeah yeah good, good question <laughs> oh, well thank you uh now you said you were a few hours outside of kingston mm-hmm. uh, i'd like to get into just knowing a little bit more about your your village and your community because serving in jamaica for for me if i was to to stereotype jamaica mm-hmm. it either falls into two bins one being jamaica the vacation destination mm-hmm. or you said kingston um crime yeah. Like, that was, like those are the two things I think about. It's like uh, resort or being mugged, mm-hmm. and that's just from you know news and media, which yeah. we all know is like <laughs> horrible. Um, so, what was your experience? What was your community like? Was it a like a larger town, or was this something that you might put the label of a village on? Let, describe it a little bit. Um, I don't remember the like exact population there, but I would definitely consider it's definitely more than a village. It's more of a town. It was a small, you have a small, it's a small stretch of like where the actual say downtown quote unquote is, is there's, um, at that time there wasn't the large highways that there are there now, um, that connects the North coast and the South coast, but there was a, basically a two lane uh, road where all the commercial traffic and just general traffic between, 
the south um, for Kingston, Spanish town on up to the north coast, where all those, you said the tourism and all those uh, all-inclusive stuff like that, all pass through our town. So there's a lot a lot of traffic that was going through that town, um, you know, through that, along that road. So there's a main thoroughfare that goes through it. Um, and there's, you know, and it's, um, but I would easily forget that I'm on an island because I was at least an hour you know, taxi ride from Ocho Rios on the North coast and at least, you know, an hour and a half or two hours from public transportation all the way down to Kingston. So like I was kind of right there in the middle of the Island, um, and easily forget there. Um, but you know, I would add it cause I don't remember the population, but it was definitely more of a village. Uh, a lot of the people are there either usually with probably an education or agriculture on their own. Um, but the, one of the biggest employers is close to that town is, uh, Wendalco, which is the bauxite company there. Yeah. So there's bauxite and, um, you know, bauxite aluminum mining, I guess, mm-hmm. and then aluminum is like, it's a precursor for aluminum. Yep. Um, and so that company there is, it was a large employer to people there outside of, I don't know. Again, I don't remember, you know, statistics of, of that, but, um, and do know that that was going through, um, some ups and downs when I was there in service. Cause I was attend, we would attend monthly community meetings there. I was in, you know, being involved with Ecodac. We would go to those, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's just like, it was a joint council meeting. Um, but, uh, you know, it would, they had had got to a point where they were going to, um, it was Russian. It's partially Russian owned. Um, but it's also, they're going through monthly budgets. Like there was a definitely, uh, not a bauxite demand, um, while I was there. And so we thought that was going to go under, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, when I was, you know, and then I was going to see, you know, perhaps see a lot of what those ramifications are of that town. But then I was just mentioning there briefly about, um, highways, um, that, um, you know, that are there now. So there's, uh, it was called highway 2000 and there was some, Basically, trying to you know long tail toll road basically to connect the Kingston all the way up. There were some segments on the south coast that were already built, like large highways, thoroughfares that would connect things, but nothing to go up to you know between the north and south coast. And so there was talk about that, but there was some topography close to I think the bauxite plant um, around there. Oops, sorry, bumped your mic. Um, <laughs> that um, you know was a more difficult and required a lot more engineering to do, mm-hmm. uh, and that was also one of our concerns there of what was the going to be economic impact upon all of the you know secondary businesses you have of all those people traveling through the town that would stop get something to eat, you know, stop in the town. There's a bakery there called Crystal Bakery, um, some of the best bread. <laughs> Uh, that, you know, I, uh, that, that I definitely would get loaves and loaves of and definitely enjoyed. Um, but, uh, you know, just in general, um, well, that economic impact was going to have on that there. So, mm-hmm. and, and you didn't necessarily get to see that, that no, really, that really didn't, happened after ICOS that, that definitely, it happened after that. I went, visited three, again, not to try to chat too much, got another tangent, but yeah, three years after I went back and it was completely finished. And mm-hmm. so it was a interesting experience. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And I d- I'll definitely want to get into that because, uh, not too often, I think a lot of volunteers do have the intention of going back, but rarely mm-hmm. do they. So I definitely want to table that and get into maybe some of some of that. But since you you weren't on the beach, you weren't living this sort of idyllic Jamaican mm-hmm. lifestyle. What was your what was your day to day, or rather, what was your downtime? How did you fill 
24 hours. Oh, a big part of that, um, which I, you know, I think one of the best ways for um, volunteer satisfaction is being able to find some kind of hobby or something that you do or you did back home and be able to do it down there as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, that has has been uh, soccer. Like I played that since I was in second grade. Uh, and then it happened to be in 2010. That was what I think it was Germany. I think wherever there were, uh, I don't remember what was being hosted, but it was a world cup happened 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, and to experience world cup outside the U S and be able to talk with anybody around there yep. about the games was such a fun experience, let alone everybody within my <laughs> household. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, what I'm getting at is I joined a local, um, it was at that point, um, it had just moved up divisions. They had different sectors or different levels, just like in English soccer of if you lose it, you're lower the, of your, um, standings, you get relegated and you can advance. Um, so they moved up, um, uh, to a division, a division one, um, fo- um, football team down there called, um, upfront United, um, football club. And that was the one in my district where I lived at polyground district, um, in Everton, St. Catherine. Um, so I, I joined that team, uh, and I would spend five days out of my week. I would <laughs> get back to original question and I would spend a lot of time in the community center there in the one in town. Um, probably, you know, it varied from day to day, but you know, generally your general nine to five, if I had to hand wash my clothes and put them out to dry, I definitely, uh, you know, I said, Hey, I'm going to be down a couple hours later. Cause I got to do this and let the sun dry during the day. You know, you don't do those logistics. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I would then go back home, you know, or I would bike home. I would change into my soccer uniform and then go and practice for two, two and a half hours. And I was not a fit guy when I started service. And I also had been, I played soccer through high school, but not through college. And so I, you know, here I'm already a, a one only white guy in the town, mm-hmm. um, you know, that I've already got that little hurdle of just to, just to prove yourself, nothing, you know, on any racial standpoint, but just like, you're the, you're the one guy that definitely stands out and you gotta, you gotta prove yourself there. And I definitely, uh, I definitely mouthed back, uh, and nor was I able to effectively, um, you know, it, it got to be really fun trying to be witty with my retorts back to them. Uh, as I got to understand the culture and some of the music and the dance hall and reggae and stuff like that, I started throwing lyrics back, you know, to some of the guys there. But, um, yeah, I would spend five days, four or five days and then traveling with the team. I got to go, you know, spend a lot of time cramped with, you know, 15, I don't know, 16, 17, whatever guys in a, in a, in a small bus traveling around, <laughs> not, not the, the, the public transportation experience that almost any volunteers had, but imagine a small, that with a whole soccer team, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I've got some other stories there of, of, of one, when our, our battery caught fire and it was underneath their passenger seat. Uh, we had to stop and put that out, <laughs> but I got to travel around and really see my parish, which um, they consider their states or considered parishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to see my parish a lot because all within St. Catherine Football Association, I got to travel all around. But I also some of those are my, uh, you know, closest friends, people that, you know, because how much time I spent, you know, five, you know, you know, f- outside of my work, I spent a lot of time with them. And so, you know, it was that definitely, that was one aspect there that I, you know, was able to fill the time with there. Um you know, and, and I ended up getting to tennis was another sport, which I ended up being able to do some, you know, 
um, stuff there at the community center with that because we had a basketball court and we had some uh, tennis lines there as well. Uh, but the main one um, that I have, you know, that I really, really look back on and really enjoyed was just being on that local um, football team there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, you know, a lot of opportunities. I didn't get a lot of playing time. Um, but the one, on, and I played in a lot of non-league matches, but I remember the one day that really stood out to me I mean, um, was when I actually, it was after like 16 months into my service, um, you know, and who knows the reasons why I never got really put out. I'm not here to speculate or anything like that, but it's after 16 months, uh, I actually got to go out in on an actual like conference game, you know, like that. And that, that meant something to me. It wasn't just this some like, you know, exhibition match here or that or, or practice. Um, but there, you know, I have, I have a picture of a fellow teammate took of me just like high-fiving the guy I'm substituting for. And, and you know, it's not the most, um, you know, hundred percent well-composed photo, but there's, there's so much meaning behind that one photo there and the amount of time and that I put in, Mm-hmm. into that part of my service that, you know, I haven't framed it up. Um, and I really, I'm probably going to at some point, but that one there is just, just one of my favorite photos from my service. Uh, is that one there? It's just like a wide shot. It's like late, late night, like, like late evening, you know, like, um, uh, was it the golden hour they say? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, that, that right there was just, it's, it's it speaks so much volumes, um, <laughs> uh, to, to, to that. And some of those are guys there were, you know, when this close my server, they were fighting for me to get fi- to playing time. It was like, cause they saw how I'd actually gotten pretty decent. <laughs> uh, you know, I wasn't this, uh, you know, not even able to trap the ball. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. actually able to do some skills with it. So, well, sounds like you, you put in the hours over, over those, uh, oh, yeah. Two, two plus years of service. Now, did, when you extended for your third year, did you stay in that? I, I extended at site. Yes. Okay. So you were there for three years. I was there for three years. Wow. And did your role kind of change or was it just an extension of, uh, I'm not ready, uh, more work to be done. Mm-hmm. Let's add a year. It was more, yeah, it didn't really role change. It was more of extending what a middle, there was other, um, rainwater catchment projects, things that I was doing, uh, that I had done that I wanted, they were in the middle of, and I wanted to try and complete those and i also wanted to do some more i wanted my edu- my skill set was not so much in youth education but just knowing that they're the younger generation impressionable i wanted to do more of that environmental awareness teaching to in, within the schools and mm-hmm. so that was part of my argument letter to get extended but it was to get back basic before get too much on a tangent um it was just kind of extending what my current role was there at the site. Nothing really changed, no other larger things I'm taking on or anything like that. Uh, just trying to continue that, maybe expand a little bit, you know, unfortunately some of that didn't really happen. So mm-hmm. but that's, uh, that's, I think you unique to maybe Jamaica or maybe a few countries do it. Cause usually when I hear, you know, a third year extension, it's normally leaving your site and then maybe going to, a larger city mm-hmm. and working more with an established organization and NGO and having that, that sort of higher level role. Yeah. Role. Uh, but it was, I know I kind of, if, if I was to extend, I'd want to stay in my village because mm-hmm. my village. Yeah. And you also, you're more, you're going to be a more effective volunteer. Well, cause I'd actually put in for the peace PVL position there at a, at a capital. And they were actually looking for two of them. And so there was actually two people because we had enough volunteers at that time to, to uh, necessitate it. 
Um, and they, so there's two of my colleagues ended up being PCVLs, but then they said, you know, we would fully support an extension at site. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, basically I'd applied for that, you know, and then I didn't get that. Uh, but I was perfectly content in extending at site, let alone there was things there. Um, you know, plus the, the, um, what is it? The, uh, the, the, the break they offer you to come back to the U S for the four mm-hmm. weeks or six weeks or whatever back to, or I, I put on a lot of extra time. So that was also very, you know, I had the, you know, service or project reasoning, but it also, that was enticing to, to do that and come back for a little bit and just refresh. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely, uh, I chose to go that route, but yeah, no, I continued at site. Okay. And so you went, you went back, mm-hmm. uh, in between the, the, the second and third year, but with your 48 vacation days, mm-hmm. uh, did you go back to the U S ever or where, where, where do you vacation if you're already in Jamaica? Um, I mean, I visited other volunteers, you know, there, there's a wide, you know, it's a small island, so you can get around pretty quick. You know, I would, I definitely went around to other volunteers, mm-hmm. um, to go spend time with them. Um, there is a reggae marathon, which is, happens the first week of, it's a big, you know, a lot of Peace Corps volunteers go run in it too. Um, but that happens on, um, you know, the first, like I said, first week of December, but a lot of them go do that. So I would take off a few days for that. And even probably like, well, I'm on the other end of the Island. I'm gonna spend another few days over there as well. Um, and so I did a lot more, I'd say on Island versus actually traveling, say anywhere else within the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that, you say that's maybe normal for, for most volunteers or that's just what you did? Um, cause, because when you say you using vacation days being in country yeah i mean we probably bent the rules a lot but yeah. if we were in burkina faso uh, there were no vacation days happening <laughs> even if i was on like some excursion safari <laughs> going to see waterfalls <laughs> yeah in country no vacation days yeah so but you were using them to to travel around and do stuff with, yeah within, the Jamaica. within there um i think more i think more so i towards the latter end because i was like i've been to this many parts of the island i haven't been to this corner but i had to get yeah i did go back because of the proximity of caribbean to the u.s versus say west you know wherever you were yeah um i you know i went back every year um only for sometimes for a short time though obviously the second to third you know end of the two years of service to extension that was like a six weeks yeah um, automatic they pay for the plane ticket yeah and everything. I, I put on my, my extra what i could put onto it so i was back for the four like i said four forty five days um and so that was that was different <laughs> mm-hmm. um but uh so i went i def i couldn't say the trend of um you know, I'd say a lot of them definitely because of proximity, a lot of volunteers definitely are going to go back. Like uh, some of them went back for Christmas every year. I never, I never did. Um, but I went back once each in the three years of service. A funny story is that, um, so that the timing, um, uh, of that was kind of purposeful for when I did. Granted, there's the limitations of the three and four months, first four months and last, mm-hmm. you can't do those, you know, those things. But I had their local symphony was doing, uh, I'm a big music fan and, you know, even symphony buff. Um, they were doing the Lord of the Rings movie series, <laughs> but live to pro- like symphony playing the music live to projection. I saw the first one before I left and I thought, you know what? It was like September, October, they're doing the two towers. Um, and that was gonna be like four or five months into my service. 
and I'll come back for a few days. It was timed around that. And then it was in the year and a half later, uh, or it was, that was the one big gap, um, between like my time in country and going back to the U S and where I had the reverse culture shock because mm-hmm. there was like a 16 month period there where I was in Jamaica the whole time. And that was where I was fully engrossed. But then I went, I was like, I've already done two of them. I have to you complete gotta, the, gotta, ret- yeah. and the, and if it, you know, I, Howard Shore did an incredible job with that score. Um, and to see it performed live with a symphony while you're watching it, it's, another, it is another, it is definitely a worthwhile experience for anybody who's never experienced that alone. I recommend it. Um, but I went back for the return of the King in February. <laughs> so I went from Jamaica, Ooh, you know, wonderful harsh. Caribbean weather to, uh, you know, February in, in Michigan, in Michigan, but I went to go see, um, yeah, I know if you ever mentioned where I was from, uh, but, um, yeah, back to see the return of the King by the Grand Rapids symphony and well worth it. <laughs> so you're a nerd. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little I'm, bit. I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm happily a nerd. Well, yeah, own I, it. I embrace it. I own it. I, I posted a uh, J.R. Tolkien quote just the other day, and my girlfriend made fun of me. So uh, <laughs> no shame. I, yeah, if you want to nerd out about space exploration, I'm, I'm, I'm up that avenue as well. Well, so. maybe, maybe we can do that once we uh, turn turn off the podcast. Yeah, I, don't I mean, know this if- is my Peace Corps story, not my uh, my space exploration and uh, math formulas or anything. You know, yeah, podcast. we can we can definitely geek out about that. Oh, that's another time another podcast yes uh but but you went back so Mm -hmm. you went back three years after service yeah uh and and how i'm I'm guessing you were able to to stay in touch with everybody or a lot of people in that meantime so how how was that going back and what were the big changes that you saw just in that three-year span um yeah so i mean i kept in touch with um a few of uh, my close counterparts, um, benefits of just having some of the SIM cards still from down there. And just, there's, mm-hmm. that was, a, you know, some cheap ways to them outside of WhatsApp and other stuff, um, to keep in touch. Cause not everybody there has that. Um, but, um, you know, for me, the, the one thing that stood out, um, was just, you know, the amount of love, uh, and uh, by the people there and affection from them, just the fact that, you came back to visit our community and, you know, it's, it's very hard to, you know, it's intangible to, or hard to, you know, how to, you know, show that or express that to somebody like what that, you know, but, you know, you're going back there, just people are just not in the sense of just like, you know, you haven't, you didn't, you haven't forgotten about us. You know, you just came back here to visit us. Cause like, you know, you're, you know, like, and I was, you know, there within my community there for three years, you know, you get to, you're definitely going to get stand out mm-hmm. uh, and you're build a lot of law, long standing relationships with, you know, you know, some people, cause you just see them so much and so consistently there. Um, but I, it was just, I, you know, you know, I'd talk to one person, I'd see somebody else, or you're walking, you know, you're walking uh, down the street um, there. And then it's like the culture there is if you don't say something to somebody, you know, it's almost insulting if you don't, you know, engage them in conversation. But, you know, I'm, I'm recognizing everybody there staying with, I stay at my old uh, host mom, um, you know, unfortunately she's passed away. So rest in peace. Um, but you know, I had actually was able to stay back at with my old host mom when I was there. Wow. Um, she put me in so that, you know, to see her, um, you know, she, um, I mean, um, was taking care of a few younger kids, um, not directly blood related, but, you know, just taking care of them there. Um, but, you know, seeing her and those, some of the, um, the host children that were at my house, uh, but then I was walking from her house, which I usually would have biked every day. And I 
down to the town, which I some days when my bike had, I'd ran and found all the potholes on my road, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, was out of service. Um, I definitely, but I walked down that and I would just saw all these people I recognize on the way down and just continually stopped there. Um, and just like I was saying, the amount of just general appreciation of the you being there, I wish everybody could experience that. It's hard for me to convey mm-hmm. <laughs> that to you, let alone in a podcast here, let alone to, you know, anybody that I'm telling about it there. Cause it was so heartwarming. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I saw though, was that, um, at, I don't think if it, if it was fully operational yet, but through some gubernatorial funds or some, some political funds, uh, there was a grid tied solar power system, uh, at the community center building, um, there, which was nothing I'd ever talked about, but because of my close, um, you know, the local representative there, um, she was a strong, um, um, person, you know, small person to work with, but she also been a peace. She'd been one of the peace. She'd worked in Peace Corps in Jamaica there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so she was very close to Peace Corps Jamaica alone. Um, but she's also a very, very, you know, very reliable and very close person there to work with within community. You know, yes, you're politically tied within that. So there's the fun things there, um, with the different parties and stuff. Um, but her name was Beverly Jobson and she, um, you know, but I'm sure if, through some of my constant interaction with her and other people there, it's got once those funds came around and my pushing a lot of these environmental initiatives, you know, for me to, to see that, like that was something I never expected, mm-hmm. but a clear correlated, clearly correlated to that in some regard. But I don't know, remember how it ended up there, but uh, I don't think it would have been on their mindset to have solar power to try to limit their utility usage. Um, but I imagine nowadays you could go look on Google earth and see, you know, find that latitude, longitude, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you could see it that there. And it's like, wow, a little, uh, series of influence. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you know, it's a thing. So I think it's, like I said, I think it's a grid tied one. So hopefully they, it is providing income there right now, but I haven't talked, uh, talked to them recently. So I don't know uh, where that stands. So. Yeah. And just what amazing opportunity to to go back and spend some time there. Yeah. Uh, hopefully something that I'm I'm able to do in, in the future and go back to my community. Uh, but, you know, Peace Corps Service has a way of sort of springing up and especially the, the cultural connections that we make uh, mm-hmm. in our in our lives as we, uh, you know, navigate in the United States. And sometimes it's surprising. And I know uh, just today from a brief conversation that we had prior to this, yeah, prior to, to hitting the record button, uh, that you had a, a nice little interaction with a, a Jamaican. So you want to tell us about that? Yeah. So, um, I, I've been to DC enough that I, you know, I'm quite familiar with the, the Metro stuff. So it was like, I flew into the Reagan airport, came up, just wanted to head and walk around the national mall for a little bit. So I got off at Lundfont station, walk out of that up onto the street and there's all the food trucks there. Um, and I just simply walking past, it wasn't quite hungry. Um, but one of the first ones I noticed, uh, you know, is a jerk truck. Um, I don't, this gentleman here wasn't in front of that one. I think it might, it was some, some other cuisine, uh, rounding the corner there, but I was just walking down the sidewalk. I'm wearing, I think it was the, it was a jacket from like the opening ceremony for the, um, Olympic track team, I think in 20, I want to say 2012, um, it was around the time because that was in my middle of my service, but it was just, it's a really good, cool looking, like military looking ish, 
um, jacket um, that has a Jamaican flag there. And I put on the old RPCV um, circular patch with the old logo on the sleeve there. But he saw, you know, he saw the Jamaican flag and said, yeah, man, you know, bless up the, or, you know, big up the, you know, you know, representing, you know, showing the Jamaican flag there. And I just instantly, yeah, yeah, um, you know, said something back like, yeah, yeah, my day there for three year merriment um, or uh, a three year me day at Jamaica. Um, so it's like a three years I was there. They don't tree become three becomes tree, but yeah, something along those lines. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, butchering some of the patch right now, just trying to and not naturally have it come out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, no, it was, uh, and we just engaged in some fun banter back and forth. And just that related to you is that it was this almost instant connection with somebody, but I've never met this guy. Mm-hmm. I just happened to walk back by him with uh, you know, a Jamaican flag on. And, but he mentioned like, um, you want to know where I was served down there and it was in St. Catherine. Um, and that's where he said he's, you know, he's, uh, knew a lot of people from there. Um, but he's flying down to Kingston tomorrow. <laughs> um, so it's like of all, uh, of all people I would run into, um, I mean, granted it's a melting pot within the DC between the international sector and everything. There's a lot of, it's probably not too rare, but again, mm-hmm. you would probably know more living here, uh, than I would per se of that kind of propensity of that. Um, but my flight got delayed by like three hours coming from Michigan because of, you know, weather and the engines not be able to get started. Um, so that interaction with talking with somebody there when I grabbed some lunch, um, before I came to visit you, um, you know, there is just like the, the weird timing and way, you know, like our t- timelines of our lives weaves like that, you know, if I hadn't been delayed, I wouldn't have walked like past him that there on that street to mm-hmm. have that interact, you know, it could have been somebody else. I mean, there's a lot of just to get into very philosophical in this podcast, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, the, the likelihood of that would have just been different if I had not been delayed. So, mm-hmm. but it, I was, I definitely walked I was still smiling for like another minute or two of just the fun joking banter we had on, 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 on a, on a few different things there. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's uh, definitely a little bit of like a high once it happened. Oh, it, it was, it, I yeah. walked away with one for sure. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm sure like, I don't know like why there's nobody on the street. This is like, you know, early afternoon on a Wednesday in DC. What are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you? Smiling? But I, I was, I had that high for a good few minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Currently, as we're recording, it's uh, Peace Corps week. Yeah. Uh, this episode will probably come out a, a few weeks from now. Uh, maybe next week. We'll see uh, how much editing I do over the weekend. But you are in town to actually do the, the day of action mm-hmm. uh, up on the hill. And I've done it previously. Uh, and this is going to be your first one. So are you, are you excited for it? Or maybe can you give a preface of like what a day of action is in in your own words i know you haven't done one so i haven't done one i did they did want us to all kind of sit through a webinar uh-huh. um giving you a i mean you probably know a little bit but they pre-warning you a little bit about that i have not done one myself also just i've been to local meetings <laughs> Uh, or local, local, like town halls with my rep back in my community. But, and this is going to, you know, now it's not times you're with the actual rep itself. You're also somebody on the legislative rep or person, mm-hmm. legislative person within their office or the, some appropriate person that deals with what Peace Corps would be. Um, so, you know, having at least a, a one-on-one of there, that's definitely, uh, a new experience. I definitely came with a, a little trepidation, uh, mm-hmm. just cause like I just, I, they've, 
prepped us with what the issues are we're kind of looking for. They're just, you know, it's because of the Peace Corps funding. Um, there's one that deals um, with, I think it's like you've, um, with Peace Corps, um, like on your gravestone or if mm -hmm. any, or, um, or if you're having any announcement about uh, that, you cannot use the Peace Corps emblem yep. um, on that. And so it's a very simple piece of legislation, just allowing, um, you know, the you know, any volu former volunteer to use that emblem on their gravestone or in any other kind of paraphernalia, perhaps for that. Um, and then it was the third issue um, that they run into us to um, or that to speak on about, uh, I think, was about um, disability for mm -hmm. RPCVs coming back. And just where it's at um, is a very um, minimal level. Um, mm -hmm. But it's also caught. Well, one thing that I was uh, blown away and wasn't aware of is it's it's basically costs. You know, they they would up, they could increase it there, but it's cost negative for the Department of Labor. So what it is is you know the the Peace Corps um, has to pay out. Or a Peace Corps has to build Department of Labor um, a certain amount for that RPC to get that post you know, the, the that post-service disability, mm -hmm. um, which they can't apply for any other help. Like yeah. they, once they get, if they, the best basic thing was they can get that disability. They can't get anything else. They can't get a job. They can't get yeah, anything if, else. If you're on disability, you're on disability and you, there are a lot of limitations of like, you can like do some work, but there's a threshold and it's like $800 a month. Like if you that's make more they, than that's that, that's what they say. It's yeah. like, then no, then you disqualified for disability. There's a, whole bunch of layers and then i currently do they say what gs because it's pegged to a gs they, did, they said it was based off the gs schedule certain gs schedule but yeah. i don't know where it's at and I th it might be like a f gs5 mm -hmm. which you can look it up what it would be but it's not a lot it's like thirty thousand dollars a year i think is maybe the base mm -hmm. for it and i mean thirty thousand dollars a year you're gonna pay some taxes on it and then mm -hmm. once you just start figuring out like it's hard to make thirty thousand dollars work without being able to work and do supplemental income. Yeah. So I think it was an increase. I forget what was the number they were targeting there, but it was an increase off of, uh, I think it was like another th uh, third or maybe a little bit more. But basically it would, they, the Department of Labor would be get billed a little bit more for that, mm -hmm. but Peace Corps has to basically reimburses the Department of Labor, yep. whatever that they got charged. So at the end of the day, it is caught. If you, as long as Peace Corps is funded enough to handle that out of the whole fiscal budget for the entire year, um, mm -hmm. uh, then, you know, or increase from whatever previous years, then it would be cost negative to the Department of Labor. And that's what they talked about in the webinar. I'm like, wow, <laughs> this almost seems like, <laughs> yeah, you know, why not? So, uh, but they definitely prepped us a lot, um, talked about like what to expect um, there. The one thing, you know, definitely takes a little pressure off for me is that I'm going to be with three other, you're going to be in a group of people mm -hmm. there. It's like, I think I definitely wouldn't have a, uh, you know, I definitely want to feel like I might just go through a little bit of notes of stuff here, but, um, you know, it's only going to be like 20, 30 minute sessions here with different reps, um, come tomorrow. Um, but the fact that I'm going to be with a few other people in a group, uh, and some that probably, um, done it before. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, I, I think I just would have been definitely not had the self-confidence <laughs> yeah. if I was doing it by myself. Um, granted I did courting, you know, things are always tentative to, uh, change or attend uh, uh, possibly change. Um, but of the one scheduled there, it looks like my representative there for the third district of Michigan, uh, it's him and his chief of staff are actually going to be in our meeting. Whereas the other ones are, those, the, those are fun when you actually get to meet your rep. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, the other ones there are somebody else, either the legislative rep or I think the assistant, you know, somebody chief of staff, somebody else along mm-hmm. the ladder mm-hmm. um, within that um, office. Um, but as far as it is there, um, but I do know from my from my uh, representative there, Justin Mosh, that he def- also takes his town halls very seriously. Like mm-hmm. he, he makes sure he, he always touts, like he's always been back for like, he's the one, the one rep that comes back the most in his community, you know, in there, cause he wants to take in, you know, all of that information from his constituents. Um, it's the one thing I definitely respected about him, but again, I don't want to get on a political, uh, conversation, uh, discussion or conversation, but basically it'd be interesting to interact with my actual rep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they know they want me to take the lead. That's <laughs> per se uh, on that a little bit, but, uh, you'll be, you'll be fine. You said it's like the, your third one. Like once you do like one of them, it'll be you, my second one. Uh, you'll see, you'll have one to warm up. I'll have one, that's why it's like good. It's good. I'll have one to warm up. Yeah. And you'll, you'll be fine. I mean, you, you go around, everybody, you know, says what they served, what they did, then you kind of go through the speaking notes and then mm-hmm. you bring some personal stories into it. But it's really a time to to highlight like what is what is Peace Corps? Like mm-hmm. actually put a you know a face to it and experience to it yeah. and see that like, you know, this isn't just a line on a budget. Mm-hmm. Like they're Americans that are serving, that are doing good and then bringing good back with them. So it's a I don't know. I'm a little jealous of you. I've done it for th- three years in a row. Uh-huh. This is the first year I'm not doing it. So yeah. I'm 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 excited. Yeah. Um, and cause I'd asked, I had asked one, I was able to ask one question of him about peace. I mean, I don't even remember if I phrased it really. Uh, I think it was too, um, broad of a question. I realized I should have been very specific with the question, mm-hmm. uh, just in some self-reflection after that, but it was also post 2016 election, um, <laughs> the town hall meeting. And so there was just way too, a lot of, a lot of topics and a lot of voices there. And so it definitely got, you know, probably just got drowned out, mm-hmm. um, clearly, but, um, you know, I did able to get to ask, I asked him one question at one of the town halls, but I remember just, I don't remember the exact question, but I think it's probably about funding or something along that. Um, but I did remember like, you know what? Yeah. He, you need to be very specific with what you ask a little bit, because if mm-hmm. it's too generic, then he's like, well, you're asking my opinion on this. Well, yeah, of course I support that, but mm-hmm. yeah. you know, give me a specific thing and I can answer that more diligently. Well, uh, I'm excited for you. Hope you, you. hope you have an amazing day tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Up yeah. on the hill, walk, walk in the halls. It's, I know it's, it's cool. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I've had a blast uh, talking with you about your service uh, in closing, do you have anything else you want to tell about your service, your experience, uh, just to share with the listeners of the My Peace Corps Story podcast? Um, well, if you put it that way, it's almost like I should probably like really summarize it up really well and have a really like good soundbite. Um, nope, you can just say, I got nothing, and I'm fine <laughs> with that. <laughs> um, no, I guess the only one, um, I guess it was just a, like a... a another side project kind of thing that thing that happened there that I honestly was the most proud of that I didn't really get to talk about yet. Um, again, I could, again, I could talk a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, maybe you're starting to get an impression of that. Um, but you're a return Peace Corps volunteer. You, yeah. You, or there, they could just be that you can, you can talk for days the, about your service. <laughs> so I'll try to be very succinct. Um, I did a lot of trail work at a national boy scout place that highway. I said, men was through the middle of our town, there were segments there that was no sidewalk. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of school children having to walk in the gutter where that sidewalk wasn't. We have imagine lodging commercial vehicles, you know, rain even makes things worse. Mm-hmm. Um, 
got a petition going, got it signed. Political situation, you know, shifted around, changed parties. There was some funding there for to do some community development, um, or they're kind of doing trying to do a F kind of they call it the Jeep program, Jamaican Emergency Employment Program. Imagine kind of New Deal stuff, government yeah. jobs to help yeah. that. Um, basically, local community people got paid to do work there to put in sidewalk in those segments where they weren't there, um, and that sidewalk itself um, is going to be there long after I've passed away. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and uh, let alone those people were paid to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so some people got a little, uh, you know, you know, uh, income from doing that within there, but that thing would never happened if I had never done some trail building thing before. And it was kind of like a back burner, like, Hey, I saw this and I got the petition done, sat in a drawer for a long period of time. But that was, you know, not, you know, something specific to maybe my, um, you know, environmental green initiative sector there. But that one, <laughs> honestly, it's the simplicity of it, but just the benefit of getting, you know, and I don't think there was any incidents that had happened, but the propensity of that, of just all of all these people having to walk in the gutter versus walking in this dirt, you know, very, you know, not not safe thing you know it's just like why is there no sidewalk there yeah <laughs> why are these segments here and where it is every, it, was, it was it was to me i just saw it in like mind-boggling mm -hmm. <laughs> um but that one there just honestly um you know uh always just being i guess a little summarize a little bit just always being just simply observant uh around the the space where you're at um there and in and, and you know and even if it's just, you know, you don't have the largest, you know, background in something there, but if you, you see, you see something there and just try to go towards it, even if it, it takes long little steps in that right direction to actually ever see anything. This happened like two years later, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, close to what my COS would have been, uh, if I had stayed for two years, but, um, you know, good things can happen out of that if, you know, just even try, you know. Well, that that is a a perfect way uh, to sort of wrap it up and summarize. And, and, I, and I still have a little bit of a. It's probably really watered down. An but excellent project. An excellent project. But how would you how would you say cheers in uh, Jamaica? Uh, um. Why well, don't you, you shoot? I'm, I can't believe I'm even. Um, but you know, you say you know a lot of a lot of um when you're, when you're going away for. Uh, or, Separating away from somebody, you know, bless mm -hmm. up, man, or, you know, bless up. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember cheers. I don't even, that, that I feel really, really sad. <laughs> uh, well, bless up. Bless, you know, but bless up. So. <laughs> and there you have it. Another episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. Thank you for joining me for this episode and listening a little bit about Mark's story and his time in Jamaica. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get a new story every single Tuesday when I release them. If you are a Peace Corps volunteer, return Peace Corps volunteer, and want to come onto the show and tell your story, uh, head on over to mypeacecorpsstory.com and find one of those links, buttons that are strewn all over the place uh, that say, uh, share your story, share your service. I would love to hear from you. Uh, if you know someone who uh, has talked about their service and has amazing stories and you think, man, you would be great for this podcast that I've been listening to called My Peace Corps Story, uh, 
send them the information, bug them, get them to come on the show, because uh, I want to hear from them uh, just as much as you want them to tell their story on the podcast. Thank you very much for listening, and until next time, remember, every volunteer has a story. What's yours? What's yours?